Well, we are in our third week as we walk through the book of First Peter together. Um, Peter was writing to a group of exile Christians who were really feeling the pressure and the persecution from the people around them. And so they were feeling the weight of being strangers in the world they were living in, right? They weren't fitting in with the cultural norms, and the people around them were reminding them of that. And that was because of their decision to follow Jesus. They had decided, we are going to give our lives to Jesus, and the people around them didn't like that very much, but they were willing to be strangers because of their decision to follow Jesus. And so we also, as Christians, when we choose to give our life to Jesus, we're going to feel that same tension, right? We're going to feel that same weight of feeling like we don't quite fit in here sometimes, The world is telling us things are normal, that we should do all sorts of different things, but as Christians, we're called to look different. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we have to fight that tension. And Peter is going to encourage his original audience, but he's also going to encourage us how to live well as strangers in this world. So last week, we talked about a few different things. We talked about, first of all, grieving and how the strange thing about Christians grieving is that we grieve and we rejoice at the same time. We're allowed to accept and embrace our emotions. We're allowed to admit that things are hard and that we're struggling and that we're sad, but we also get to rejoice at the same time because we know that our spiritual reality transcends our circumstances, right? That's what we talked about last week. And then we also talked about how we are called to be holy, holy like God is holy, and that means set apart from our old ways, from our former way of life. When we decide to put our life in Jesus, we are given new life. And that means we don't give in to our old ways, which is also a strange thing to the world because the world says, do whatever makes you happy, right? Do whatever you want, it doesn't matter. And by being followers of Jesus, we're saying, no, we're gonna die to our old self. We're gonna put on a new self. So tonight, we're gonna wrap up chapter one and get a little bit into chapter two. If you wanna go ahead and turn there, we're gonna be 1 Peter chapter one, starting in verse 22. It'll be up on the screen for you to follow along. We also have some extra Bibles in the back. If you need to grab one, you're welcome to those, and you can take it home and keep it if you want. So 1 Peter, starting in verse 22. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall off but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. So we're gonna stop there for a little bit. And I want us to notice first that when Peter says that these people are choosing obedience, they're choosing a life of holiness, he doesn't follow up by saying, by being obedient, then you have all these rules, all these lists of do's and don'ts, right? That's not what he follows up with obedience. He follows up, Obedience means you love. Obedience means you love. And I think that's really interesting that if we as Christians are motivated by rules and do's and don'ts and create a really legalistic faith, 
It's not gonna be good. <laughs> That's not how God intended us to be in relationship with him. Our faith should be about relationships, being in right relationship with God and right relationship with people, right? Jesus' greatest command was to love God and to love people. And so when we are living into obedience, then we're living into a good relationship with God and with the people around us. And we're gonna get into a little bit more of what that looks like. But I also wanna notice here that the truth that Peter is talking about here is the good news of Jesus. So this truth is the good news of Jesus. The gospel is a word we also use for this. Where also do we find a lot of our truth? The Bible, right? We're in it right now. The Bible is where we have access to the living word of God. The Bible is a source of power. The Bible has so much to teach us and so much to do to transform us. But this thing right here, this is a stranger thing, right? Because we say that this book is the word of God, right? And it has power. And we revolve so much of our life around the teachings of this book. And that's pretty weird to the rest of the world, right? We, we sound pretty crazy, probably. So the fact that we see this word as so important to our walk with Jesus is really a really strange thing. And I think it's really important that we think rightly about how we engage with the scripture. Um, I also want to notice here that he says that um, he gives us the seed that doesn't die. He gives us a seed that is everlasting. And as I was trying to process what this meant and what it would relate to in our lives, this is the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <gasps> our love fern! It's dead. No, honey, it's just sleeping. You can let us die. <laughs> you should think about that. The hell's love for? Okay, so let, let me explain. But so, how to lose a guy in ten days? Good movie, right? Um, is this still on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, okay. So when I was thinking about this seed, I had think about a plant, right? So a seed and a lot of plants we have die. If you don't have a green thumb, if you're not good with plants, they're gonna wither and die. And a love fern is given to you in a relationship to represent your love, and if it dies, it's not a good sign, right? But God gives, gives us a seed that's never gonna die, and that's his living word, the truth, the Bible, right here. So we have this truth that we are given in our relationship to nourish and grow inside of us, the living word of God that is never gonna die. We don't have to worry about ever losing this sign, this love letter in our relationship with God, okay? So I just, I thought that was a fun way to think about it. Um, 
So, as we think of how we engage with the Bible, because it's super important, um, I think we need to think about how we do it, make sure that we are doing it well. So the first thing I want us to realize is the Bible is one big story. Okay, I think sometimes we think we can pick and choose things and everything um, doesn't really fit together because there's some weird stuff in the Bible, right? But it is one really big, important story about an amazing, powerful God who created us humans and he delighted in us. But then we humans chose to define good and evil for ourselves when we ate from the tree of good and evil, right? And then that separated us from our relationship with God. And then we enter in to the rest of the Old Testament and we see these people that are wandering from God over and over again and God continues to pursue them but they continue to fail and continue to choose evil, right? And then we reach the end of the Old Testament and it's not over. The prophets make it clear that something else is going to come, that there is hope ahead, and everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. So then we enter into the New Testament, and this baby enters the scene. This baby who's Jesus, who's fully human and fully God, who's going to come and teach humanity what is good again. And he's going to die on the cross for all evil, to wipe it all away, and then he's going to present us with a new tree, a new tree, which is the cross, and if we choose to accept that new tree, then we can walk into new life and freedom with Jesus, and then he doesn't leave us there either. He knows that walking this life on this earth, even when we choose new life, it's going to be hard, and so we have all these letters from the apostles that are encouraging us and how to live. And so that's a really, really broad view of what um, the story is in the Bible. Um, so the Bible is not a self help book simply. It's not simply a self help book. It's not a history textbook by itself. It's not a bunch of spiritual mumbo jumbo. It's a story, a story much bigger than ourselves, but also a story that we have the privilege to be a part of. So that's how we should first think about scripture. And then I also wanna realize that there's a bunch of different genres when it comes to the Bible. Um, if you just open a book, open your Bible to anything, you, you could come across some poetry, you could, should come, you could come across some history, or some teachings from the apostles, right? So it's important, just like when you go to a library, that you know which section you're entering into, and that will help you read it rightly, right? Because if you try and pick up a history textbook and read it like, I don't know, read it like it's poetry, it's, you're not gonna get what you want out of it. So this is a really helpful graph. If you wanna take a picture of this um, that breaks up all the different books of the Bible. So we have the law, we have a bunch of history, we have poetry, there's also poetry all over the Bible, but those books are all poetry. You have the major prophets, the minor prophets, the history of Jesus, which we call the Gospels, the history of the church, which is Acts, Paul's letters, tons of letters from Paul, other letters, 
and Paul's letters to individuals, okay? So there's a lot of stuff going on here, but they all intentionally weave together. They're all important. They all play an important role. But just because it's all important, just because it's all supposed to be here, right? This is the canon. This is where a lot of people um, came together and said, this is what we need to put in our Bible. And we believe that this is the inspired word of God. This stuff is supposed to be in here. So it matters. All of it matters, even the weird stuff, okay? But that doesn't mean that everything is prescriptive and telling you exactly what to do with your life, right? There's parts of the Bible that we read that describe history, things that we need to learn about and understand, but doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly what we're supposed to do with our lives. Like an example is if you open Leviticus, there's some weird stuff in there. And if you think that that stuff is telling you what to do, if you think it's prescriptive, which is the opposite of descriptive, then we're gonna have some issues because I've been spending some time in Leviticus. That's where I am in my Bible reading plan right now. And the priest's job, one of the big roles of the priest is for the people to come to them and show them your sores, like all your wounds. And then it's the priest's job to decide if you're clean or unclean. And if you all start coming to me with your sores, we're gonna have problems. Like that is not part of my job description. So that is um, descriptive. We get to learn from part of the story. But then there's also parts of the story like especially in the Gospels and the New Testament that are prescriptive, that are teaching you ways to live, that we should, um, it's like a prescription, like a medicine prescription. You're supposed to take it. You're supposed to learn from it. Um, for example, like when Jesus says to love your enemies, that's, he's not just saying that for fun. We're actually supposed to do it. Or when Jesus teaches how we're supposed to handle conflict, that's also something we're supposed to take seriously and implement into our own lives. So that's an important way to think about scripture as well. Um, and then I also know that it can just be really, really overwhelming. Um, and how do you read scripture in a healthy way? Um, one of the things we talk, I learned in seminary is this Wesleyan quadrilateral. Um, have you learned about this? Oh, right now? Way to go, who's class? Nice, nice. So this is one, there's a lot of different ways that they put this little graph, but this is one way that I like to think about it. So if you're seeking God's truth, so if you're trying to understand theology or anything, you're gonna go to scripture first, right? So then we're talking about God's word, the Bible right now. So we're jumping ahead to scripture. When we are trying to understand scripture, we need to do three things to understand it well. The first thing is to look at tradition, right, or history. What does history, what does context say about this text that I'm reading? And then reason is the next one. What logically do you think this text is saying when I read it? Thinking about what did this really mean logically? Reasoning with the text. And then the last one is experience. And experience is then when you encounter the text yourself, what, what do you get from the text? And if you were here on Sunday, Austin kind of talked about this a little bit, um, but he was talking about how if you just go to the Bible, especially in the book of Revelation, and you try and lean solely on your sincerity in the way you read the Bible or your own experience in how you read the Bible, 
it's probably not the best idea because you also need to lean on tradition and reason, right? Experience is important. God wants you to experience this story. He wants it to be valuable to you and have meaning to you. But it also matters that you think about the tradition and the reason as well. Does that make sense? So hopefully that's a helpful tool to you guys. There's a lot of great resources out there too for you to look up. What is the tradition with this? Or come talk to me or one of your professors. Um, I'm sure that they would love to talk to you if you're having a hard time understanding where something in the story fits in. So a few more things. I want to give you all some helpful tools that I really appreciate when it comes to reading the Word of God. The first is the Bible Project. Is anyone familiar with the Bible Project? Yeah, the Bible Project is awesome. I love it. So if it has tons of different resources, but one thing that's super helpful is they have a, like an eight-minute video for every book of the Bible. And so if you're about to start reading a new book of the Bible, like when I was about to start studying 1 Peter to prepare for this semester, the first thing I did was watch 1 Peter on the Bible Project because they give a really helpful overview of what you're about to read. And sometimes it's better to have an overview before you jump right into a text, right? So you can put the pieces together. So Bible Project, super helpful. And then I also want to say, if you have not grown up in the church, I know that sometimes when you come on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, people refer to things and it might feel overwhelming and you're like, what are these people talking about? Like someone got swallowed by a whale? What? That's crazy. And I don't want you to feel ashamed for that. If you didn't grow up reading and experiencing the Bible, it's not too late. You're not too far behind. Um, And so one thing... Oh, here it is. One thing I really like to encourage people to do who have not spent much time in the Bible is to read the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, It's written for kids, but it is so theologically sound. Like, it has some really great stuff. And sometimes, even if you've been around the Bible for a really long time, and you need to just come back to a posture of childlike faith, pick up this book and read it. You can order it on Amazon and just come to the Lord with childlike faith and be ready to learn something pretty awesome. So this is a copy I have on hand. I always try and keep one in my office. In my office. So if any of you feel like this is where you want to start with reading the Bible, you can have this. Um, let me know if I need to order more. But there's no shame and having childlike faith, and starting there. Um, Also, find a helpful version for you. There's tons of different versions of the Bible, right? There's tons of different ways that people have interpreted it. There's tons of great versions. I read mostly from the NASB. Um, I also like the NIV. Our little Bible journals are ESV. So the list goes on and on. Um, There's the message version that also makes it a little bit more practical sometimes, if that's helpful for you. Uh, If you are reading one that's really, really confusing and you don't understand the language, maybe try reading something else to start out. Like the King James Version has some weird words in it. It's still an okay Bible for sure, but it's not a bad thing to start out with a version that you can understand and relate to. And then I would encourage you to read the Bible with other people. If you are trying to figure out how to read scripture, how to read it well, or even just to have a, 
excitement about reading it. I know sometimes you can feel like you're in a rut and not really want to read your Bible. I get there too. Read it with other people. Let them encourage you and inspire you. And then lastly, um, finding a Bible reading plan can be really, really helpful as well as you engage with the word of the Lord. Um, I am on my second year of the Bible recap with Terry Lee Cobble. Um, and it is a great plan. You can do it on the Bible app, but there's a ton of Bible reading plans on the Bible app that you can take advantage of. But what I really like about hers is she has a little podcast that goes with each morning of reading, and it tell, she tells you what you just read, uh, especially helpful when you're in the book of Leviticus and other <laughs> books like that. So that's a helpful tool, and I'd also encourage you to do that with other people. I wouldn't have made it through my first year if I didn't have other friends holding me accountable and texting me when I was 10 days behind and telling me to get on it and catch up. So these are some helpful tools because I know it can be really intimidating. Like, where, where do I start? How do I read the Bible? What, what do I do? Why, why does it matter? So for our first discussion, I want you guys to talk about this. What's your experience with the Bible? How do you read the Bible? And it's okay to admit that you don't or you're in a season that you're not right now. And where, what struggles or questions you have when it, to, when it comes to reading the Bible. So y'all talk about it. All right. Anyone want to share what y'all talked about? Anything you think would be helpful to share? Nobody? Thanks. Um, something that a lot of us talked about, and it just like different things was podcasts. Um, I know you talked about a podcast as well, but just like a daily podcast or a daily devotional um, and doing that like audio, what, like the audio way. Like we're all so busy, but like we all drive somewhere every day. So mm -hmm. that's something that I know if I'm in an on season, um, which I'm not currently, that is how I do it. And I think it's very beneficial and very helpful because yeah. it's just like, you're already going to listen to something in the car, so it might as well just like be your devotional or the Bible. Right. Yeah, and I think, obviously, if, if we could spend hours and hours studying the scripture, that would be awesome. But just immersing yourself in the word somehow is definitely a great, great way to start. Anybody else? So um, one thing that we talked about that we, like, struggle with um, when it comes to, like, reading the Bible, whenever time of day we choose to do that, um, like, where to start? Like, if we, like, start in Genesis or do we start in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And, like, how do we get the most out of it? Because, like, sometimes we really struggle with, like, comprehending, mm -hmm. um, even with, like, the different versions we all have here. So, like, I think that's one of the questions that we had, like, where do we start and how do we get the most out of reading it when sometimes we don't understand fully what's going on? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's okay to also acknowledge like what season of life you're in. So if you're in a season of life where you're already feeling overwhelmed with studying things, then maybe reading the Bible front to finish and trying to understand the whole story would just overwhelm you more. And that's okay to accept that. Um, Maybe you're in a season where you just need to understand Jesus and understand his goodness. So I would say start in one of the Gospels. Um, it's a really 
mo the, probably the most um, easy to understand place to jump into the scripture. Um, or if you're struggling and you just need help praying, reading the Psalms uh, is a great place to start. So there's no perfect place to start by any means. I think you know that. Um, but starting somewhere, you have to choose to start somewhere. Uh, and then just having real, realistic expectations for yourself to wherever you do start. So, yeah, it's a great question. Anybody else? I can share. Yeah. Okay. So last October, I started like a six month journey through the Psalms and I love overthinking. I don't love overthinking, <laughs> but I do it. Um, and so something that got taught to me in my spiritual formation class is something called a brain download where you spend 10 minutes and you write every little thought in your brain on a piece of paper and then you dive into the word. And that was just so beneficial for me, like as someone with anxiety to like clear my thoughts. So if you have any or interest in knowing more about that, come talk to me about it because yeah. it's so cool. That sounds awesome. I've heard other people say even too when you're like trying to read and spend time with the Lord every time you have a thought like I need to do this write it down come back or having um, a centering word too uh, like choosing a word that helps your brain refocus like if it's Jesus or have mercy on me I'm a sinner and that's your recentering phrase that's also a really helpful thing when you're trying to focus and have time with the Lord awesome. All right, y'all want to keep reading? Okay, let's keep going. So we're going to get into chapter two. We're just going to read the first three verses, so not too much. It says, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for pure milk of the word, oh wait, pure milk of the word, so that, why does that sound weird? Like newborn babies long for pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Okay, so, again, we see some evil things mentioned first, right? Slander, don't be distracted, we'll get there. Slander, malice, hypocrisy. But what does Peter say the antidote to those things are? Milk, <laughs> yeah, but spiritual milk, yeah, being in the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord has power to transform us. So why Peter is using this milk and babies language is because newborn babies need a lot of milk, right? Because they're constantly growing and their bodies constantly need to be nourished to be order, in order to grow and transform into who these little babies are supposed to be. And in the same way, we as um, believers, when we enter into new life, we also need to be nourished, and we need to be nourished, and that comes from the word of the Lord. N.T. Wright says, new life needs to be nourished and sustained, 
And so we have all accepted, well, I'm not gonna speak for all of us actually. If you're in this room and you've accepted new life, then you need to be nourished in order to transform and grow. And if you want to experience new life, then talk to somebody about it. Talk to me about it. We would love to walk you through what that decision looks like. But when you make that decision, you're gonna need to be in the word and allow yourself to be transformed and nourished by the milk of the word. So, do we have any milk fans in the room? Anyone who really likes milk? Bailey, I saw your hand shoot up. You get up here. One, one other person. Ethan, you want to do it? No? Who else? Who, who really wants to try some milk? It's not breast milk. Don't worry. Dylan? Okay. So, we got two different milks here. And I want y'all to taste them. So taste number one first, and then taste number two. And I, where are the mics? I need y'all to tell me what you noticed. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. Okay. You didn't have to chug it, but if you want. Okay, so now drink this other one. It's milk. They're both milk. Okay, good. That's the second one. That's sec- there's something, second one. something different about the second one. It's like thicker. Thicker? Okay, what else? <laughs> what did you notice about the differences? It tastes kind of like an almond milk. An almond milk? Mm-hmm. I haven't had almond milk. I don't know what that it's tastes like. Almond like milk is almond. disgusting. <laughs> Any other flavors or differences you notice? I mean, it tastes slightly like an almond. It tastes like an almond, but... Is that because it has, like, really good flavor to it other th- than the I other one? I like the second one better. I like the first one better. And I know this is 2% milk. That, mm. I know this is 2%. Mm, you're going to ruin my analogy. Okay. you got to like the second one better. It's delicious. It's delicious. Okay, okay. So, yeah, you, you did notice that there were some differences in the milk. So, milk number one is two, is it 2% or whole milk? It's, so, it's whole milk. Bailey, you're wrong. It's whole milk from the grocery store. Um, the milk number two is pure raw milk from a dairy farm in Temple. So, number two was thicker, right? It had some different flavor to it, um, it's probably a little richer, but also the milk from the grocery store, there's all these added things because the process to um, like cleanse the milk, pasteurize, that's the word, yeah. It takes out all the natural calcium and vitamins, so they have to put back in the calcium and vitamins, but the pure stuff, it has it all right there, and it came straight from a cow earlier this week. Um, so congratulations on getting to experience that. If you want any milk, let me know. It's from Ash Acres Farm. I know what that also sounds like, but it wasn't intentional apparently from the farm. Anyways, so there's something special about pure milk, right? Um, We can go to all sorts of different things to try and nourish ourselves, 
right? And it might give you a quick fix, it might make you feel good for a little bit, but the pure stuff is so much better for you and it's gonna have lasting effects on your life. And the scripture, the word of the Lord, that's the pure stuff. That's the stuff that you want to be transforming your life. And it has the power to transform your life in radical ways. If we choose to invest in the scripture, to read it, to meditate on it, to make it a part of our lives, it will change us. Like Peter is saying, these people are putting aside the things that hurt other people because they are choosing to immerse themselves in the word of the Lord. So it's gonna help nourish our new life. And then it also says that we're supposed to crave the word of the Lord. We're supposed to crave this pure milk, right? And you can't crave something unless you've tried it, right? You can't crave canes unless you've tried the canes and the cane sauce. I didn't start craving a good Diet Coke from Sonic with some vanilla in it until I tried it. And so what Peter is saying here is when you have tasted, when you have tasted God's kindness, then you start to crave more and more of his presence, more and more of him. And where do we learn more and more about God is in the scripture, right? And so I really believe that everyone in this room is here tonight because in one way or another, whether big or small, you have tasted God's kindness, And whether you're here because you have a burning flame inside of you because you've tasted that kindness and you just long to know more about God and build your relationship with God, that's awesome. You might also be here because you got a little hint of his kindness, maybe by the friend inviting you here tonight and you have this little flickering flame inside of you of curiosity and that's awesome. And I want to flame that fire to crave the word together because we want to taste God's kindness and let it lean us into his word and experience his goodness. And then when we soak in that, when we meditate in that, when we spend our time, our lives will begin to be transformed. It will open up new ways for the spirit to transform us, to teach us ways to be holy because we cannot be holy on our own. We cannot achieve holiness on our own. There's nothing we can do. We can't work hard enough. So we need to come and experience the nature of God and let that be what nourishes us. And so I want to um, fan those flames a little bit tonight. And for our last discussion time, I want you to talk about where have you tasted God's kindness in your life? Where have you tasted God's kindness whether that's a really big way or a really small way, something that happened today or yesterday or years ago, share an experience um, where you've tasted God's kindness. And let that spur you on and learning from each other um, to crave God's word. All right, are y'all wrapping up? Uh, one way that I've experienced or tasted God's kindness lately is I was um, just preparing for the semester, and it's a, we put a lot of thought into what, what we should study here, and I take that seriously, and um, it was like the week before y'all got back, and you know, the enemy just wants to tell you that this isn't going to work, it's not good enough, or it's not going to be applicable enough, and 
I was getting coffee with a student and she was just telling me how hard it was for her to be different than the rest of the world and not fit in. And I felt like that was the Lord affirming me and just giving me this kind moment to say, no, this is what I want you to do. Um, so that's just a kind moment from God that I've experienced lately. And things like that make me want to trust him, right? And it wants me to be more, makes me want to be more in relationship with him. So I want to end by reading Psalm 119, um, verse nine through 11. Get it up on the screen. Psalm 119 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart. That I, that I may not sin against you. And so I just want to encourage you guys again tonight that the word of the Lord has power. And if you want to pursue a life that reflects God, be in his word and really just think on it, read it, make it a part of your life, listen to it, sing songs about it, and watch it continue to transform you into the person God wants you to be. So my challenge to you this week is to start somewhere. Start somewhere in the Bible. Pick it up. Try and pick it up every day or listen to it every day. Um, and crave, crave the word of the Lord. Crave the pure spiritual milk that he has gifted us with because it is a gift. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for an opportunity to get to gather with so many people who want to learn more about you and want to grow closer to you and be in relationship with you. God, I pray that we would desire that you would put a craving on our hearts to be in your word. God, I pray for those of us in the room that feel far from you, that feel distant, that we would be... um, that you would reveal to us, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us what it is that it's that barrier between us and you. Lord, whether that is because we're prioritizing other things or because we're living in sin that we know we shouldn't be doing or just because we're afraid and we don't know where to start. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to whatever it is and that we would confess and that we would tell somebody why we're struggling and that we would just run to you and realize that you are waiting for us with open arms. God, I pray for each one of us that we would find joy in reading your scripture this week that we would get excited about learning about the story that you have so intentionally woven together. And we're so thankful that we get to be a little piece of it. God, we love you. We love you and we're thankful for a God who wants to be in relationship with us, a God who never gives up on us, a God that we get to talk to We love you, and we're just so thankful to be a part of your family. And it's in your name. Amen.